alrighty, 9.30, I think we'll get started. <coughs> Glad to see everyone today. We are wrapping up 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So, we'll open in prayer, and then we'll pick up where Lenny left off. Lord, we thank you so much for every day you give us. Um, Sunday holds a special place in our heart, but we know that uh, we are to always be with you, to always strive to be in fellowship with you, uh, but I we're not always together, so thank you when we can do it together. Thank you uh, that you're able to get us here, Lord, between the weather and sickness. I'm sure there will be some not here today, and uh, we pray that they're still spending time with you and meditating on your word, uh, but we're here, and I don't want to take that for granted. I thank you so much. I thank you for last night and uh, how your name was lifted high and how we acknowledged everything that you've been doing in this church and the ministries of this church. Uh, I pray your special blessing on every person who uh, played a role in that. Um, thank you for what you've laid on Mike's heart and Lenny's heart for tonight, as well as helping Pastor feel better. Uh, we know that you're sovereign. We know it's all in your hands, and I just don't want to take anything for granted or not give you the praise and glory you deserve. So I thank you for what you've laid on my heart. I pray that uh, in confidence that your spirit will speak what each person needs to hear. And I thank you that I'm just the vessel uh, that gets the honor of sharing today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I don't know how many of you noticed, um, but last week Lenny wrapped up, kind of, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Now I say kind of, because technically he stopped halfway through the verse. Um, and I meant to have this out, and then I forgot to do it, so that's okay. I'll pull it up right now. First, I know what it says, but I just want to say it completely correctly, 1 Corinthians 14.33, where Lenny ended, said, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Period. Seems like a great place to end the verse, but if you look a little more carefully, for some reason the verse doesn't end there. Uh, the verse then bleeds into verse 34, and I have just got to assume that's a transcription error or something. I, I can't think of any other reason. We know that the original scripture wasn't broken up into verses. So, um, point is, the rest of verse 33, I agree with the way it's broken up, goes with verse 34. Uh, so we are going to start by reading 33b all the way through verse 40, but please remember that Lenny ended with, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Here we go. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Now, if we're going to take that passage the way it is written, at least as long as I've been studying it, this is what I feel. Paul starts out talking about why women shouldn't be speaking in the church, goes on to say, and if you think that you're spiritual, you should agree with me, goes on to say that if you disagree, then no one should listen to you, and then wraps up with what Lenny wrapped up with, that, you know, um, so desire to prophesy and don't forbid to speak in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. To me, that kind of goes along with God. It's not a God of confusion. He is a God of peace. 
we should do things decently and in order. So again, women don't talk. You should agree with me. If you don't, you're wrong. Be decent and order. I have a problem with saying that that's what Paul's emphasis is here. Okay? That's part of the problem with breaking passages up. If you just jump into the passage in verse 33, it certainly seems like everything trickles down from this thought that the women should not be speaking in the church. Now, we are going to talk about that, but in no way, shape, or form do I think that that's Paul's emphasis here. So what I am going to do, and if you disagree, so be it, but I am going to read this passage backwards, uh, not word for word, of course, but verse for verse, and I gave it to you on the notes. The second paragraph, you'll notice, there's no verse numbers there, I didn't want to confuse you, but here is what it would sound like if we approach the passage Backwards. Remember, Lenny ended with God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. I'm going to use the word so instead of but. So all things should be done decently and in order. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now again, are we supposed to read scripture backwards? I don't see any difference between doing that and just jumping in at verse 33 and saying, see, Paul's pounding that women shouldn't be talking. I feel this so much better represents the chapter because it talks about doing things decently in order. It says that prophecy and tongues are an example of that. If you, dis- if you agree, you're right. If you disagree, you're wrong. And then he gives an example of how to put that into practice. So if by the end of today, listen, I understand that that's not the order that it says it. I get it. I, to be, I'm going to say I don't care. What I mean is I don't care. Okay. I believe that everything I'm about to say is the heart of 1 Corinthians 14, and if you've been here every week, I don't think you could disagree with that. But I'll try to finish early if you have any comments. Not comments on nitpicking of, well, technically, I'll eat you alive if you do that. Just, okay. Just know that I believe that the emphasis here, the title here, isn't women shut up. Okay, the emphasis is no, decent and orderly. That is what we're called to be. That's what entire... 1 Corinthians 14 is all about. So as I approach it backwards, I don't want to confuse you. You don't have to worry about what verse I'm on. I'm gonna, I'll keep pulling you back in. But the only way that I could truly sh- teach on what God shared on my heart is not saving decent and orderly for last. That had to come first. And then everything else fell under it. So there's three ways that I believe we are called to be decent and orderly. That word decent just means properly do things properly and in order. Um, I think we can all agree that there is a little bit of a difference there. There is a proper way to do things, but then there's also a proper time to do them. And you can do something perfectly properly, but it's just not the right time to do it. Um, probably a dumb example, but the one that came to my mind is, you know, we're, we're praising God, all the wonderful things he's done in our life, all of these things, but at a funeral, that might not be the right time to do that. You know, you come alongside the person in their grief. Don't, don't brag or all that. You know, there's proper ways, but there's also proper times. So that's how I take decent and orderly. And number one, I think we cannot argue at all, not just from this passage, but from the entire chapter. We need to be decent and orderly in our communication. 
By far, that is what I have taken from chapter 14. Um, chapter 14 is known as the tongues chapter. And unfortunately, I have allowed that for too long to be the anti-tongues chapter. And God has shown me. He gave me the honor of preaching at the beginning of this ch uh, chapter, verses 1 through 5. And now he gives me the honor of doing it again at the end. That both prophecy and tongues, and when I say tongues, it doesn't have to literally be tongues. But prophecy is that public acknowledgement of who he is, that benefiting everyone else. Whereas tongues is at least symbolic. I don't think anyone here can relate to tongues. Let me know if you can. But if we can't, it's that symbolic desire to have a relationship, a personal relationship with God. It's why Paul says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. It's why Paul says, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than any of you. Because when you do it correctly, it's a very intimate part of your relationship with him. So the two ways that I believe that we can be decent and orderly in our communication is, first of all, we need to prioritize God. I know that sounds, duh, but not really. I have met many, many, many people who are out there sharing the gospel, showing love, whatever, whatever, but you ask them how often they read the Bible, it's not that often. You ask them how often they pray, it's not that often. It's almost like they think God just said, okay, kid, go. And that's not it at all. Yeah, the, 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 we always say the vertical has to supersede the horizontal. God is not going to be impressed with how many people you're out witnessing to, how many people you're... All of these things. That, lots of religions do that. We need to have a relationship with Him so that we can obey Him correctly. So the verse I went with was Psalm 27.4. Lenny, if you could read that, please. It's on the back. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. All right, thank you, sir. So, I think a lot of us have heard this before. David, the one thing that he wants is that he can dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon the beauty of the temple. In case you're still sleeping, that's not what it says. So that you can gaze on the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Now let, let's, let's take that for what it says and then we'll take it for what it implies. We know that, especially those of you going to the night service, that God in the Old Testament would say, yes, come to the tent, come to the tabernacle, that's your way of coming to me. So David is very much saying, Lord, I want to be in your presence. We don't relate to that as much now. We don't feel that we have to be in church to be in God's presence. We know that his spirit goes everywhere with us. But the reason he wanted to be in the temple was to gaze on God's beauty and to inquire. Okay, to not just be satisfied with, wow, God, you're pretty awesome, but no, I want to know you more. That's what we've been talking about in the men's group. Um, but because, I think we'd all agree, that doesn't have to happen at the temple, I am so glad that David emphasizes that he wants it to happen at the temple, because who else is at the temple? especially nowadays. The rest of us. Agreed? Yes, didn't David say, I rejoiced with those who said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Was it just because, oh good, we can all go together? Was it that they would all be there together? David's emphasis was on prioritizing God, but he understood that that wasn't, doesn't Jesus say, pray in your prayer closet? Right? See, I don't need anybody around. It's just me and Jesus. That's not, No. We are to prioritize God, you'll notice the second bullet has the word by, 
We are to prioritize God by prioritizing others. That's how we show God the love and respect and obedience that he deserves and commands. That's how we do it decently and in order. If it's all about talking to other people and you don't spend much time with God, or if it's all about spending time with God but you don't really try to impact other people, especially other believers, again, not knocking anybody who's out witnessing, that's wonderful, but I'll find you ten verses that say we are to build each other up for every one verse you can find that says we're supposed to go out and find it. So decently and in order is an emphasis on God praying reading the Bible, being in fellowship with him, but proving that self out by putting an emphasis on each other. Of course, I had to go to Matthew 22. Alvin, it's on the back, but if you can just read the very famous verses, 37 through 40. Matthew 22, 37, 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. I know we say it all the time, but I love it. If you know the story, the guy did not come up to Jesus and say, give me the top two commandments. He didn't. He just said, give me the best one. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I can't give you the top one without giving you this too. I can't. The greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it? No, it's not. Loving God with all my heart, soul, and mind is, is like loving my neighbor? Yeah, apparently. Apparently. Again, I'll always use the example of being a parent because I can relate to it now. It's one thing for my kids to love me. That's nice. But if my kids love me and hate each other, that, that would kill me. I can see their love for me as I see their love for each other. And that is what we are called to do, to be decent and orderly. I know I'm not saying anything you haven't heard before, but I am hoping that you take a second and self-assess. Isn't that what we're doing here? Is your communication decent and orderly? Do you have a daily, I'm going to say vibrant, but that means different things to different people, just alive. Do you have a live relationship with him? Or is he just words on the page? Is he just phrases that you do to start your day? I don't want to get too far ahead, but he's your father. He wants a relationship with you. We are not being decent and orderly when we're being army ants, going out and doing all these things we have to do, and even serving him, which we acknowledged last night. That's great, but I hope that every person that went up and gave an update on their ministry prioritizes God in their life. Otherwise, it's, what, what purpose is it serving? Yeah, I know I don't read the Bible much, but at least I serve in Awana. Well, thank you for serving in Kids for Truth. Thank you for doing that. But if you've got to stay home from Kids for Truth so that you can spend more time in prayer and the Word, then please do it. I'm, I'm hoping that you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. But in our communication, just that's all I'm asking, I'm moving to my next point. As we self-assess, is your communication with God decent and orderly? Is it regular? Um, I guess it was a community group when you shared, my wife shared, you know, that she's a little, you know, she's like me, a little better at the spontaneous prayer, maybe not so much at the scheduled prayer. But part of being decent and orderly is making sure that a few days don't, oh man, I can't remember the last time I prayed. Oh man, I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. Yeah, it's important to you, but decent and orderly is like, no, no, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to look for opportunities to not only grow closer to God, but to grow closer to those around me. That's it. 
I believe as far as this passage we read in the entire chapter, do not forbid to speak in tongues because that personal relationship is important. But throughout it, Paul emphasizes prophecy. Throughout it, he says, listen, this is great, but if it doesn't turn into, hopefully you get it. Yes, we have to have this so that we can have this. That is what Paul would say is decent and orderly. All right, so that's number one. Number one, the decent and orderly came from verse 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Then we look at verses 38 back through 36. If anyone does not recognize this. Now I know originally this was pointing towards women speaking in the church. I get it. But that's such a small thing. I would very easily argue that Paul would say, no, no, no. That's just an example. If you don't recognize this, the relationship that we are to have with God and with others. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. Uh, The actual word there is ignorant. If anyone is ignorant, let him be ignored, is actually the better interpretation. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? I'm not trying to avoid that whole woman part because that's going to be so awkward. No, it's not. It's not awkward at all if you understand what scripture is saying. But I love that it's going to be the last thing we talk about. Because being decent and orderly is such a bigger umbrella than that one example. And everything we see here, if you don't recognize what we just talked about, then you should be ignored. But anyone who thinks they do, they should acknowledge that what I'm saying is true. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Are you the only ones it has reached? We know that Paul is being sarcastic there to get their wheels spinning. Uh, My second point was we have to be decent and orderly in our interpretation. Okay, now, I hope I'm preaching to the choir here, but if we could just leave the walls of BBC for a second, we can acknowledge that is a major problem within Christendom. We don't expect the world to interpret the Bible correctly, but there are plenty of believers, some that I'm kind of dealing with now, who really, really struggle with this. They struggle with interpreting the Bible correctly, not because the Bible is so hard to interpret, but because it doesn't always say what they want it to say, so they got to find a way to get it to say what they want it to say. And again, I'm thinking of someone right now that's driving me nuts, because it's, well, it says this, doesn't it? And the lawyer in me is like, be the Christian, be the Christian. (laughs) You know that's not saying that, come on. But oh my goodness, isn't it so much nicer when the Bible says what we want it to say? We've got to be careful. It will say what you want it to say when you want what it says. Agreed? So that first bullet is not selfish. Don't have a selfish approach to Scripture. Again, I almost want to say do have a selfish approach because if you really want what God says in there, oh my goodness, He's going to open your eyes to so many truths. But we walk around, if your eyes are open, but you put your hand over your eyes, it doesn't serve much purpose, agreed? We have to go into scripture wanting to, wanting to see what it says, not what we wish it said. Again, uh, easy verse to go to, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Michael, if you can read that, please. 
knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit. I, I always kind of smirk when I read this verse because I do almost feel like every time I read a verse, I get my own interpretation. <laughs> wow, John, I never saw that before. The most important word that speaks to me is verse 21. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. I am well aware that my approaching this scripture backwards does not make it say something that scripture doesn't already say. Um, again, Lenny said that Pastor said, which I don't remember, so I'm glad you shared that, the difference between revelation and illumination. Well, can I twist that a little bit? There's a difference between interpretation and illumination. We don't get to say, well, I know the Bible used to mean this, but now it means this. No. But we can say, and I love when you do. This happens a lot. I'll get up here and, and I'll share how it speaks to me. And then either during or after someone will say, you know, you know what that verse has always meant to me? If you want to say that's different from interpretation, good. Call it illumination. But I love when people do that. I love when they say, you know, I've always taken comfort from that. When I'd always taken conviction from that. Whatever it might be. But the point is, you're letting God do the work. You're not saying... Oh, good. I think women talk too much anyway. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. You understand? Like, that, that's not good. And yet, it's so easy to do. So when it comes to your own interpretation, this kind of bleeds into my next point. That's why I'm saying it. It doesn't mean that you have to listen to my interpretation. I, I hope you do. But we're not like, again, if I'm wrong, but I think this is right. We're not like the Catholic Church that says, no, 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 you don't study this stuff. You study this stuff, you're, you're going to, you just listen to what I say, that's what it says. That, that, that's no good. I'm sure there's a lot of religions that say, don't study it for yourself. No, of course you study it for yourself. That's why my second bullet is, in your interpretation, to be decent and orderly. Yeah, you can't be selfish, but you also can't be blind. You can't, you can't just blindly believe, well, I don't know. I mean, John said it, so it must be true. Well, I don't know. I heard it on the TV, so it must be true. Of course not. And yet, how many people out there not only live their life that way, but defend it? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, um, again, my, my son was dealing with this with some friends at college who were, you know, just a different whatever. And he would just pop up verse after verse after verse. And they'd be like, well, yeah, that's true. But, and they would just always go back to what their talking point was, even though they just acknowledged that he was right. Because they're just so locked in and we can't, be blind in our interpretation. Acts 17.11. Uh, Dino, could you read that, please? Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to take a little different twist on this, and I, I don't think I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm open to... We have always said be a Berean, meaning confirm that something in the Bible is what someone says it is. Pastor and others, but I'm going to say pastor, has often said, don't just take my word for it. Go search it out yourself. Okay. These Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, not with all skepticism. Do you understand? Like if this comes across... The wrong way, I'm sorry. But I kind of do want you guys to take my word for it. Because I work hard. I study, I do. 
We all do. We look at the original text. We look at the Greek. We look at the... We don't want to screw these things up. And the last thing I want, Erica, since you're looking at me, is to hear me say something that she's never heard before and say, Really? The Bible says that. I'm going to go check. You know what I would much rather hear you say, knowing that I care for you and that I study the Word? Really? The Word of God says that? Let me go check. You understand? I want you to be excited when you hear us say things about the Word. I don't want you to just take it blindly. I get it. But I also don't want you... Oh, yeah. That, that causes problems. Because the month that I spent studying this is probably going to be more than the two minutes you put into seeing if I'm right or not. Agreed? So I want us... Again, if you walk into a new church, I, I get it, but I would like to think that Pastor Mike, Len, me, Alvin, whoever it might be, that we've earned Sean, that we've earned Dom, that the list grows on Dave. I, I keep looking around, I'm like, oh yeah, this one's taught, this one's taught, this one's taught. I want us to be excited. I want us to receive the word with eagerness. Sorry. And then examine the scripture to make sure it's there. But I want us to go in with an excitement. That when you hear something that you've never heard before, or at least approach something in a way you've never approached it before, it's not, that sounds good, but... No, it's, you know, something No, I trust the shepherds that God's put in this place. I'm going to go study it for myself. Yes, to make sure they're right, but also to see how it speaks to me. It's going to keep coming back to that. We don't get our own interpretation in that, well, I know John thinks it says this, but I think it says this. Some things, you know, especially in Revelation and stuff. But for the most part, it should say the same thing to us, but it could say it in so many different ways. And that's why I want you to be a Berean. I want you to be a Berean so that your excitement for this isn't limited to the excitement that the person who's teaching gives. I want that to be the diving board for you to say, wow, I never thought of it that way. Let, let me go, wow, there's actually other verses that say that. And it, it, it just kindles a fire that I, I think sometimes we miss out on because it does end at, wow, that was a really good sermon. That was awesome. And then you never think about it again. Yes? Just in what you're saying, uh, I think the eagerness itself is a safeguard. Really eager biblically, the decency order is already ahead. You understand what I'm saying? You're already praying, you're already this, you're already, there's a built in safeguard to that. And, and you're right about the skepticism. We've got to remember contextually, when Paul came to them, that was all brand new. Mm -hmm. To us, it's not brand new. Right. Amen. A, there's a big difference there. Amen, DJ? <laughs> goes back to the idea that there's treasure in there. What would you do if someone handed you uh, a, something like a gold bar or something? Yeah, you'd look at it and oh, it has value and everything, but if you got to go back and see how it was mined, how it was formed, how it was melted down, it would even have more value to you. You're get, you get excited about it. Oh, I've got a gold bar. And you wouldn't just say, is it really gold? Mm -hmm. you know? And if I could build on that, yeah, because I... I if I get up here and talk about how to find a gold bar, how to get a gold bar, here's a gold bar, how many of you are going to say, oh, thanks, and just take that one and no? Oh, wait, I can get more of these? Yeah, you can get more of them. You know, we can only talk for so long, we're only supposed to talk for so long. You're supposed to take that and then do what God wants with it. Sean? I think on the flip side, though, um, I know for a lot of us, I know for me, it's if you respect the person and you're more accustomed to the, the teaching, 
I don't think I'm as skeptical as to sit there and when they say something that may be a little different my interpretation and be like, you know what, this totally sounds wrong, let me go. So I'll, I'll accept it as, okay, maybe that's just their way of saying it. And I don't think that's always so good because it, it takes away my desire to look how God is speaking to me and just take it for whatever that person is saying. Right. So whether you realize it or not, that was a beautiful point that I'm trying to make. Yes. Don't blindly accept what we're saying, because, uh, but don't blindly assume, uh, you know, don't always go into it. Are you sure? I mean, Satan can use that big time. He can big time go, oh yeah, does it really say that? Oh yeah, does it? And like Sean said, you know, oh, so now we read the Bible backwards? No, no. I'm only doing this because decent and orderly was how this spoke to me the most. So I didn't want to save that for the last five minutes. That was the umbrella that the entire uh, passage spoke to me. But like Sean said, if I see something a little bit differently, A, you could talk to me, and me is plural for any leader. Talk to us about it, because iron sharpens iron. But then also, just because, okay, John, that's really cool to spoke to you that way. Let me study it a little bit more. Not necessarily to prove you wrong, but to see, you know, that's what God had for you. I can almost guarantee you that if this rotation, which really is just a rotation, had landed on Mike or on Lenny, we wouldn't be reading the passage backwards. <laughs> yeah, that's how God works. He puts who he wants, when he wants, but then you have to see what it's saying to you. All right, so again, all under the heading of decent and orderly or communication, it has to prioritize God, but by definition that means we are prioritizing others. We have to be decent and orderly in our interpretation. It cannot be selfish. I just love how Paul words it there. Are you the only one this has ever been given to? Right? It can't be selfish, but it also can't be blind. Um, A, because somebody might be teaching wrong, but also B, because you'd be limiting yourself to what that person got out of it instead of what you also could get out of it. And then lastly, now that we're at the beginning of the chapter, of the passage, decent and orderly in your application. Um, that's what I believe um, the, this, this passage is talking about. It says, As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Now, if that's all you hear, then yes, John, it's crystal clear. They should not say a word. Okay, but then you go back to chapter 11 and it talks about, well, if they're praying in the church, just make sure their head is covered. So were they supposed to be praying silently? Or are we supposed to see this as an example of decent and orderly? This came right after Lenny talking about how God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And in Jewish culture, the men would tend to study separate from the women. And there's a few different hypotheticals here, but at least one was... That when the women had a question, they were shouting over to the men, you know, hey, what about this? What about this? Or maybe interrupting the men, well, I think it's this. This is in the, I believe, falls under the lens of prophecy. That in the moment when prophesying is taking place, that God has put men in the position of headship. I mean, that's just the way it is. So it's not that women could never talk, but in being decent and orderly, a time and a place. That's why he says if they have a question, don't blurt it out in the middle of service while they're trying to ask your husband at home. Of course that's not necessarily applicable now. Not everyone has a saved husband at home. But the 
process, the theme, the idea behind it is that this women speaking in churches isn't the primary theme that Paul's talking about and everything falls under that, but rather just an example that he had for them. That if you're going to do things decently and in order, one of the things we need are for the men to play the men role and the women to play the women role and for both to be content and to know that that is what God had called them to do. So just two, because that's always easier said than done, sometimes, right? Two ways that I believe that we can apply uh, what we're reading in scripture is first and foremost as children. Okay, um, I wrote the very famous Luke twenty-two forty-two. Joey, you can read it. Okay, now that verse does not say who's talking, so Joey, who's talking? Of course, that's Jesus. We know that. And does he cry out, Father, for the benefit of those who are listening? Not in this moment. I know when he tells them to pray, he says, pray this way, our Father. And I'm not saying that Jesus is God's child. I, I get it. But I'm just saying how beautiful that even our Lord and Savior in that moment of submission, this verse is definitely all about applying submission, yes? Not my will, but yours be done. It starts out with that word, Father. And I'm not going to get all Trinitarian here. I just, if I can paint with a broad brush, I think it's beautiful. That in that moment where he said, Lord, you know my heart, but I want your will to be done, the first word he said was, Father. And I think that we can all learn. Again, we know what it's like. When kids are younger, they assume their parents are out to get them, yes? Oh, you put this rule, this rule, this rule, you just don't like me. And then they get older, and not every time, but many times, thank you for having that safeguard in place. Thank you for not letting me do that. Thank you for pushing me. Because all of a sudden, you see father, mother, of course, not as the authoritarian. Again, when you interpret scripture that way, that's when you start to get the yeah buts. I know God's saying this, but, and you look for all these reasons why you can interpret it differently. If you see him as your father, if you see him as, if you see yourself as his child, all of a sudden, the things he asks slash tells you to do, you know they're for your benefit, even if you don't understand it. You step out in faith and say, Lord, I know that this is what your word says. So even though I want to do this, I believe your word is saying I shouldn't. Or even though I don't really want to do this, I believe your spirit speaking to my heart. And see it as a child. Yes, in trials, but in any phase of life. We are going to apply what we learn. Again, communication, interpretation, application. We will apply what we learn most eagerly, if I can word it that way, when we see him as our father. Which he is, whether we see him that way or not. But if we don't see him that way, then what? Then it's just a title. Right? Again, I do challenge all of us to just kind of stop for a second. And how do you start your prayers? You know, I say that every now and then. You know, is it, dear Lord? There's nothing wrong with that. But then realize you just addressed him as Lord. If it's father in heaven, yes, he is your father in heaven. But let that be more than a phrase that comes out of your mouth. How are we addressing him in our official prayers, but then also in the way that we live our lives? I believe that's the first way uh, that we can apply decently and in order, because nothing's going to be decent and in order if we're just doing it because, you know, all right, fine, I have to. It's just, it's not the right attitude. But when that attitude is there, you should know where I'm going for my last one. If you struggle doing it, 
from the love of a child and a father to a child, then guess what? Then you got to do it as a servant. Okay? There is no, I know God wants what's best for me, but. I'm sorry. There just isn't. These aren't options. God isn't giving advice. God isn't giving good, uh, you know, it would really be good if you did this, you know, but you decide. No. God's word is God's word. He expects to be obeyed. He deserves to be obeyed. That ends us with Romans six seventeen, Pastor, if you would read that. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Okay, so the way you read that kind of answers my question. What do you think should be emphasized there? Uh, it sounded like you emphasized it. Yeah, that's actually where I was going to go second. I felt like you emphasized the from the heart, which is so right. Not just that you're obedient, but that you're obedient from the heart. But guess what? That doesn't always mean you want to do it. Um, does anybody remember Ian? He was the Englishman who was married to Angeline, the tall, skinny. Yeah, so to this day, I don't know if he was saved or not, but we had our in-reach class, and he was faithful there. And he said, he had a Scottish brogue, I can't do it. But John, you know, the one thing I wish is I just want to want to want it more. And then I know what he meant. You know, you don't always want it, but you at least want to want it. There's times that you're going to be kicking against the goads. You just are. You're just, oh man, I know I got to forgive that person, but oh man, I know I got to this. I know I got, okay, listen, I'm not, I'm not giving you an excuse not to do it. But oh my goodness, when you don't even want to forgive that person, when you don't even want to spend time in prayer, or that's a lot worse. So as a servant, I'm using that word, um, I'm sure you guys, and it says to the standard of teaching, I like that as well, definitely. To the standard, not, all right, Lord, I'm going to obey whatever it is I think you're telling me to do. No, you, you get into God's word, you'll know what he's telling you to do. But I think a lot of us know what comes right after that, yes? I speak to you in human terms, right? Paul doesn't want them to think of God. Fine, I'm your servant, I have to do it. No, he wants us to think of him as our father. Lord, I want this. If you want this, I want this. That's what we're all to strive for. But to be decent and orderly, we don't get to pick the moments that we feel led to obey. We are called to obey. We are called, uh, we were once slaves to sin and we obeyed it whether we realized it or not. Well, now we are called to be slaves to righteousness. To say, Lord, at least help me, I just, I love that phrase, help me want to want it more. And the more you want to want it, ultimately, the more you're going to want it. Right? We would call it more a discipline. Not, not a, you know, man, I want to go to the gym more. Well, you start going to the gym more, and next thing you know, you're going to the gym more. Man, I need to put more money aside. Well, guess what? The more you put more money aside, the more you find. You understand, like, everything isn't easy at first. And sometimes you might have to just, all right, Lord, help me want to want it more. And next thing you know, what you were doing as a servant, you're now doing as a child who realizes how much his father loves him. All right, so obviously I don't take scripture lightly. I didn't say, hey, let's read it backwards this week. Like, I, I struggled. You know, is that not? I just hope you understand my heart. I believe this passage ties most beautifully with what Lenny said. When we realize that God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, so we have to do things decently and in order. And if you don't agree, then I hope nobody listens to you. But if you're where God wants you to be, you're going to agree. And one example is, and yeah, 
He gave the women not speaking in the church. But we could fill in that blank with so many things of how we can apply what we've learned through our interpretation that I believe God speaks to our heart as we strive to communicate with him. So even my notes went backwards. I didn't realize that until just now. All right. So pretty a little early, but that's okay. Um, if there's any questions, uh, oh, DJ, go. I see a lot of safeguards Actually, that, I, I don't know why that flew over my head, but God used DJ to... That's a perfect example of your own interpretation. Women have to interpret that differently than men do because God is saying a different thing. God is telling the women, listen, just trust that my process is the right one. Trust that I have put people in place. But then men step up and do what God called us to do. Don't let the women run everything. And women, I mean that as a compliment because you guys are so ready to. Oh, don't worry, I got this. Oh, don't worry. No. That's what we talk about in men's group all the time. Being the man that God called us to be. So that's a beautiful example of how one verse speaks differently to different people. And yet it's saying the same thing. It's saying, play the role God called you to play and let him do everything else from there. And when the man is doing his job and the woman is doing her job, listen, things won't be perfect. We don't want things perfect because count it all joy when you fall into various trials. We need things to come up to remind us how dependent we are on him, to remind us to keep that we haven't arrived. But oh my goodness, when everybody has that desire, Lord, I don't want to be selfish in this. The only selfishness I want is that you show me what I need to see today. And if that's what John said, if that's what Mike said, if that, great. But just make sure I see what you want to say to me today. Oh my goodness, you will benefit and... Selfishly, I'll say the church will benefit, and that should be all of our goal. So thank you, DJ. All right, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you. Um, again, I only know how you speak to my heart, and it excites me. That's something you say to me. You can choose to just put a different uh, twist on for someone else. Lord, maybe it's a conviction of being more obedient. Maybe it's a comfort of enduring uh, in, in, for someone who's already trying to be obedient. Um, I don't know if I said anything today that we didn't already know, so it probably was just reinforcement of what you have us here for. Lord, you could call us all home now. So the fact that we're still here means that you're not done with us, means that you're not done working in us, you're not done working through us. And I pray that excites us, humbles us 100%, but also excites us to know that the more time we spend in your word, with your interpretation, with your spirit speaking to our heart, with us communicating with you, but then edifying one another and building one another up. Lord, again, you're, you're sovereign. You are going to do mighty and amazing things. And we already see that, but uh, we know that there's always something right around the corner that we're going to praise you for, that we're going to honor you for, but that we need to put ourselves 
in the right place so that we don't miss those opportunities and ultimately miss those blessings. So we're going to thank you for every person here, for anyone who's still coming, pray you get them here safely, and for anyone who's homesick, Lord, uh, we do pray your, your healing touch on them. But, um, again, that they not use that as an excuse to not think about you today, Lord, and uh, every day. Just thank you. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for the spirit you give us that gives us the insight we need. And I pray that we honor you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. Thank you.